Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Latter Day Takes. It's good to be back with y'all. Once again, I am your host, Harper Anderson. On today's episode, we've got a friend of mine, a recent made, recently made friend of mine over this last summer. Uh, we were on a Lake Powell trip together, and we just hit it off. Great guy, Brian Harper. He may refer to me as his acquaintance. Um, that's fine. One man's friend is another man's acquaintance, I, acquaintance, I guess, but here we are. Anyway, Brian has an awesome story. He spent a lot of time in the minor leagues, has played baseball his whole life, very baseball-oriented family. Um, his little brother's actually still playing baseball uh, and doing very well at that. And um, what I wanted to talk to Brian about specifically was kind of his experience with the church, right? I mean, this is kind of a church-anchored episode, or podcast, right, primarily. So... Uh, the first night Brian and I had met, we had kind of had a deeper discussion involving the gospel and we both kind of realized that we, we kind of have a very similar love for the gospel and specifically have very, uh, similar views in terms of, you know, how everybody should view the gospel, which is that everybody needs to be converted, uh, at some time or another in their lives. And that comes at different times for different people. So, uh, it was really cool. He shared kind of his story, uh, that first night and, um, I've given him kind of bits and pieces of my own. Not that I'm actually quiet about it at all. In fact, a lot of people know about it. I just, you know, there's a time and place to share these things and just, I guess, hasn't come up organically, um, which is something that I will probably share on the podcast at some point too, um, devote an entire episode to that. But anyway, Brian comes on to talk about his experience with uh, the church growing up and he kind of had, you know, a different relationship with the church growing up just in general than than a lot of people that you might have grown up with in the church and so uh he talks about kind of how he fell away and then what kind of got him back and how he came back and where he's at and kind of talks about all of that and it's it's really cool he articulates it very well it flows very nicely it's very relatable and i think it'll be really helpful for a lot of people out there who are either dealing with their own struggles with the church or as well as anybody that they know in their lives and it might be worth, you know, passing this uh, information along to them, you know, having them listen to this episode because um, Brian's very empathetic towards people in that sense that may struggle with, with the church from time to time. Um, so he's got some clout um, when it comes to that perspective of the church. So it could be very helpful for a lot of you, I'm sure. I'm sure about that. Um, anyway, that's the middle part of the segment. Uh, I had a lot of fun with Brian talking with him and we'll bring Brian on again too because He's just he's one of the he's one of the guys now. So he's a, he's a fun one. He's easy to talk to about a lot of different topics. Um, and then I start off with kind of like the news stories segment, whatever I want to call it. And I share a funny email from my nephew, a funny video that literally two guys sent me that was just completely ripping on my major in uh, college. Which is more funny that this video was literally sent to me by two different people within twenty minutes of each other. So anyway. There's that, and then I close out with a gospel thought. Um, that one is involving First Nephi, talking about faith, specifically uh, faith, people that struggle with faith in all, at all levels of their life. It could be a prophet, it could be a prophet's wife, you never know. And so that's what we talk about a little bit there, and I give my thoughts on that, and then I close it out from there. But before I let you get to the rest of the episode, I want to give another shout out to a pseudo sponsor that I've got, right? I'm an affiliate marketer for Odyssey Snacks. You can go to odysseysnacks.com, use my promo code HARPY10, and they'll give you products for 10% off. However, there's a new bar that they are selling specifically through Amazon. You can still go to their site and see it, and they'll just shoot you to Amazon 
Um, and you can get this new one that they're launching, which is really cool. It's actually a different kind of unique flavor that they're throwing. Vanilla blueberry, I've personally tried it. It's awesome. Vanilla blueberry is 100% vegan with 13 grams of plant-based protein. Still a good source of fiber and prebiotics like all the other bars. But this flavor is actually their only non-chocolate flavor so far. Strong blueberry flavor that makes it seem like you're eating a muffin and i gotta say it's true i like i said i've tried it myself it's delicious and i again i love odyssey snacks because the macro breakdown is great the prebiotics are awesome not high in calories and the flavors are great as well banana chocolate chip peanut butter being my personal favorite if you go through their site and get any of their other flavors you can use my promo code harpy10 at checkout and that'll get you 10 percent off of whatever you order or you can go check out their new vanilla blueberry one if you want and they'll take you to Amazon and you can buy it there. So anyway, look into that. Odyssey Snacks, they're great. Uh, I've been corresponding with the CEO. He's a nice, great guy. It's a good company. Check them out. They're definitely worth looking into if you like protein bars. They definitely taste organic too. That's what I really like about them. They don't have any of that chemical taste or whatever in them that you kind of have with protein bars these days. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm biased, but they're really good. Anyway, odysseysnacks.com. Check it out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, and they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, yes. the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter day Saints. All right, so let's get to, I mean, I don't even know what to call this segment anymore. I like having it because it kind of gives me a little bit of liberty to just kind of shoot the breeze on my own, just be like, hey, like, what's on my mind? Like, whatever. I mean, because a lot of what I do for the middle segment is what I think is relevant and is kind of more for the audience, but I guess this is more for me. I don't know. Is that selfish? I don't know. I hope you guys enjoy this segment at least. If not, let me know. <laughs> then I could just nix it all together. But um, one thing, so there's... The, the econ- like I feel like the economy screwed. That's like the one thing I think we're all kind of on our mind is that like, yes, the recession is here and it's going to be kind of ugly. Everybody's projecting like a couple years of a bear market, meaning S&P 500s are going to be down. Uh, stocks, just like however you, however you want to look at it, everything's going to be down. Crypto is going to be down. Um, housing market's probably going to take a hit. Although I have seen like, Obviously, these are coming from realtors, so take this for what it's worth. I have seen that um, not in not every not every recession means that the housing market will take a hit. But then when the Fed comes out, Jerome Powell, the chair, says uh, we need to correct the market. I was talking about this with a couple of buddies, and one of them pointed out that like they don't really use that word unless it means that they're going to be aggressively, specifically targeting housing markets. Because they just thought it got out of control for the last two years, and so when they need, when they see fit that they need to correct the market, then boom. And I mean, I just literally was driving today, saw a billboard advertising six point seven percent mortgage rates. Um, and when it's advertising that, that means that's about the lowest you can get if you're lucky. 
So you don't really get lower than what they're advertising. So that means a lot of people are already hitting 7 8 maybe even 9% mortgage rates, which is obviously meant to correct the market, meaning that they don't want it to be as hot of a market. They don't want it to be a buyer's market. So what does that mean? Demand goes down, supply stays high, and thus you have prices fall, right? Because if you're trying to hit quotas, if you're trying to make these sales, you need to adapt, and that just means prices are going to take a hit. So it kind of seems like that's going to be pointed that way. I know I've joked on the podcast many times about buying a townhome at the perfect time, and by the perfect time, I mean worst time, but I actually really do joke about it because I, I feel great about the situation I'm in, and um, I don't think I'm just lying to myself. The reason why is because it was time for me to get into the market when I could, right? And that was a good time for me to get in the market regardless, as long as I, you know, hopefully maintain a job and everything and everything goes well there, then we're okay. And I'm not looking to flip this specific home. So if I'm not flipping, then there's really not a bad time to, to buy a house because I plan on being this indefinitely. So, I mean, not forever, right? It's just a townhome. I don't want to really raise a family here. Could start one though. So anyway, it's not a bad position that I'm in and I feel pretty good about it. But uh, anyway, I hope everybody else is doing out well with that out there. So hopefully that wasn't too much of a ramble. Two things I want to share specifically that are just kind of funny things that happened to me this week. Um, I'm I may make this uh, like more of a permanent part of the segment because it caught me off guard, and this one will actually come second of the two that I'm going to share. But just to give you a little heads up, my nephew is on a mission in Mexico. Well, sorry, he's actually going to be in Kentucky, but he's in the M- Mexico MTC right now. And he sent one of the funniest emails I've ever seen from any missionary. I don't want to necessarily, like, say, I'm not biased, but um, it. I'll let you be the judge, because I think he just freaking killed it. It. I was cracking up. Um, so and that if, the, if he keeps it up, I'm going to give him a slot uh, regularly on a weekly basis, but we'll see. But I, he may not even write email, emails every week. So anyway, uh, without further ado, let me share with you the something that no joke within 20 minutes of each other I had two different friends send me this video on Instagram and I'm just going to play it for you right here I think it's the dumbest major uh, communications what is your major business what do you think is the dumbest major uh, aerospace engineering what is your major aerospace engineering what do you think is the dumbest major communications what do you think is the dumbest major Communication. What is the dumbest major? I don't know. I, I don't know. What's your major? I'm communications and media studies. He thinks the dumbest major. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> this kid going around asking people, what do you think is the dumbest major, these kids on campus? What do you think is the dumbest major? And like three out of the four uh, said communications. And they obviously sent that to me because I was a communications major. And you know what? Maybe they're not wrong. But the last girl was like, I don't know. I don't know all the majors. And he's like, what's your major? She's like, communications. (laughs) Freaking jerks. Anyway, thought that was funny. And not only did I major in it, I got a master's degree in it. And then furthermore, went to a PhD program where I dove in even deeper on journalism and public relations. So go figure. Anyway, uh, thought that was funny. That was just too good not to share. Okay, let's get to my nephew's email. So I'm going to read the whole thing. It's not very long, but it, it okay. So this is this is the state we're in right now with uh, missionaries, specifically ones in the Mexican Mexico City MTC. 
What is up, everyone? Period. I'm about a month into my mission, and I I leave the MTC in about two weeks, so that's exciting. Period. We've had two earthquakes in the past four days, so that's wild. Period. One of them was at 1 a.m., so that was a bummer. Period. At this point, I'm thinking this isn't looking too good for him. This is not exactly the best sentences or sentence lineup I've seen. Um, It could take some work, but then it just got so good. And he said, our classroom pretty much got destroyed, so we have to meet in the cafeteria for classes, which makes it very distracting. Speaking of the cafeteria, it is disgusting. I was just starting to like the food, and then they stopped serving actual food. Also, my comp likes to pour some nasty stuff on bread and eat it. That made me throw up. <laughs> also, <laughs> and maybe I just like it because I know exactly. I think I know exactly what he's talking about, having served in Mexico. Also, yesterday was the worst eating I've done in my life. I ate the infamous red chicken, and exactly an hour later, I was repenting. I have thrown up there twice already, and I'm living off of dum-dums and ibuprofen. (laughs) The hermanas in my district are psycho, all caps. I try to avoid that. (laughs) I would love to see him expound on that, by the way. What does he mean by psycho and why? Elder Giles from Mountain View is in my district. He went to Mountain View High School in Mesa, Arizona. Elder Giles from Mountain View is in my district also, so that's so fun. I love him. Nothing too crazy has happened except for the time one kid in my district broke into tears over his girlfriend and was inconsolable for almost four hours. (laughs) Also, Elder Grant got in trouble for taking too many desserts, so he got nailed with community service. Bummer. Uh, it's been so cool to see all the kids from school except for Freeman because he cooks me in basketball. Also, we played basketball for an hour like the third day, and my lungs were so wrecked, I decided I would not be doing any running here. The spikes will have to wait until Kentucky. And when he's talking about spikes, he's talking about his running spikes. Um, Also, the track is absolutely dog water. (laughs) The plane ride here was so cool. There There were like a million missionaries on the flight when I went through security. I lost my passport and my important documents. So I went back to grab it. Then as I was going to my gate, I realized I also lost my carry-on, so I had to grab that scary stuff. I was practicing teaching yesterday, and I did way better than I thought. I learned that mariposa means butterfly, so that's cool. And he's right. It doesn't mean butterfly. Also, the bus ride from the airport to MTC was scary. The temple was super cool. It was very pretty, and we took a million pictures that everyone can enjoy looking at. We were able to go to the visitor center and saw Grandpa Arturo in the History of Mexico section, so that was cool. Yeah, and he showed a picture of that. That was cool. That's my grandpa um, from that grew up in Mexico. I told you guys I was Mexican, um, and that's his great-grandpa, and he's seeing a picture of him in the um, History of Mexico pictures in the, in the MTC and visitor center. The MTC is about four blocks from a jail, and there have been sightings of non-missionary personnel on campus, so we are going to get some real-life practice with real investigators. Mexico had its Independence Day while we were here, so that was sick. They brought in real-life cannons and accidentally blew a hole through the Gordon B. Hinckley building, so we have to meet somewhere with worse, with worse Wi-Fi now. <laughs> the president and his wife are an interesting couple. They like to switch between Spanish and English without telling each other and often cry and show affection on the pulpit. Not a good message to send to missionaries. <laughs> Anyway, things are good. Send me emails so I seem cool to my district. (laughs) All right. I'm sorry. If you didn't appreciate that, I'm sorry. I will never read one again. Just all you have to do is tell me. Just just send me a DM 
and tell me I could couldn't care less about your nephew's emails. But if you liked him, also let me know because uh, I'd just like to know. Maybe that could turn into something if he keeps it up. But anyway, that will sum up this segment, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. We'll catch you on the other side. All right, joining me remotely from Las Vegas on the podcast today is none other than the Brian Harper, my newest friend. I don't have any friends newer than you because I don't really make friends these days. So that was a pleasant surprise. As long as I can call you a friend. We're more of acquaintances, but yeah, if you want to be friends, that's fine. (laughs) Can we just pretend we're friends for the sake of the podcast? I don't want to look stupid. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. No, we we can. Yeah. No, it was uh, obviously easy connection for both of us, considering first name, last name, uh, connection that we have. Which so. you always go by Harper, right? Or Harper? Yeah, it was very, it was very, very frustrating. Um, <laughs> being being in Lake Powell and hearing Harper, and then I have to turn, and then it they're talking to you. Yeah, they were talking so. to me, and you, and you yeah. you would turn to me, and I'd go. They didn't say Brian. Hey. <laughs> Just had to throw that in there. I had to. I had to. Just had to throw it in there. That was that made that made the trip for me, man. Nah, dude, you made the trip for me, dude. Seriously. After this podcast, though, we'll decide who the one true Harper is. Okay. Deal. All right. Done. Um, before we actually like get going, and I'm gonna before I start peppering you with questions about your life experiences, uh, I was told to ask. From uh, none other than our mutual friends, Casey Sato and John Stevens, who are the reason why we met. Casey is the actual connection, former teammate of yours, uh, while playing baseball at College of Southern Nevada. They told me to ask, why do you feel the need to, whenever you drive to, (laughs) the look on your face is gold, (laughs) to drive to Utah with a whole cooler full of glass, glass water bottles. Well, the last time I just drove with a case of water, so I made an adjustment just for them because I was tired of hearing it, (laughs) but, you know, always got to be prepared, you know? What if I break down in between, you know, Cedar City and Salt Lake? There's not a whole lot in between. That's true. You've got Fillmore and Beaver, and that's about it. So wait, why, why why glass water bottles? Small plastics, man. You drink out of plastic bottles, you get, you know, you're consuming plastic. Oh, wait. Okay, so like the can- it's like anti-cancerous? Is that what it is? It may or may not be because of Joe Rogan and his plastics. You know, that, I'll be honest. So. That actually is probably the – not that I was thinking of what answer would work for me. I actually didn't know. I just wanted an explanation. Um, that answer kind of works for me, though, even though I drink out of plastic all the time. But I get it. I get those that don't for that reason, at least. Yeah. I, uh, my brother had a big kick on it a couple of years ago, and he's been doing it for, yeah, two years now. Um, and then finally hearing some other reasoning um, and talking to other guys that have done it, it's like it makes sense. So, yeah, with all the plastic runoff and everything that goes into water bottles considering they're shipped 
they're not kept refrigerated because as soon as heat hits it, it starts leaking in. Like if you were to leave a water bottle in your car and then drink that, like that's the worst thing you can do for you. Oh, I, um, that makes sense. Cause like then you're kind of melting yeah. the plastic and it's just like completely, you're ingesting it almost directly. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's how they ship water bottles anyways, you know? So it's, and I was talking to my dad about it. It's everything seems to be going backwards when it comes to things like you know being organic being you know non-gmo you know things like that smaller stuff and i mean that's the way you know my dad grew up with in an era where the milkman still came by with glass bottles yeah you know so um yeah it's just a little bit i don't know if it works but i enjoy it and uh it's it's nothing it's like it's nice drinking out of a glass bottle as opposed to, you know, plastic. So I enjoy it. Maybe I'll have to try that more often. Now, look at this. You've turned me into a convert, dude. What's it's funny seeing John tell me about this because John was, like, getting passionate about it. John was like, I don't Of get course it. he was. He was like, I don't freaking get it. Why does he do that? It's freaking weird. <laughs> I'm a weird dude. I'm left-handed. I don't know what, I don't know what else to say, you know? By the way, is that leave it. creative? I heard, like, left, lefties are, like, creative types, aren't they? Supposedly, what is the left side of your brain is is well, the uh, right creative. side. The right right side. The right side is I thought mathematically and numbers and all that stuff. No, I think it's the, the other way. Because if you're left-handed, you're right-brained. But if you're right-handed, you're right-brained. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I tell people all the time: if I never picked up a baseball or did anything sports-wise, I would be right-handed. I write right-handed. I eat right-handed. You know. Oh wow! So, yeah, I think I remember I, the only thing I do, yeah, the only thing I do, left-handed is sports. That's so interesting. Okay, which actually brings me to the introduction that I never really got to, which I'm okay with. I like making these things more organic anyway. Um, your background—that's what I want to talk about. So, minor league pitcher, dabbled all the way up into AAA. You've uh, yeah. been on all all the types of teams. Um, Making it that far, obviously, as a pitcher is uh, no small feat. Uh, you grew up, you were born and raised in Las Vegas, right? Not just raised there? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Freaking fellow fellow Las Vegan right here. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't leave when I was seven, though, so. It's I was 11, for the record. <laughs> I, my brain seven, was 11. half-formed at that point. <laughs> Not fully, but it was half-formed, and that felt pretty good. I loved it, man. I was a... Uh, I was Summerlin adjacent, you know, the Cimarron and Palo Verde area, roughly. Yeah. Hoity-toity. A little bit. Like to call them. But obviously I didn't make it out to high school. Make it up to high school. Moved to Utah in sixth grade, unfortunately. So here we are. But, yeah. Um, all right. So you grew up in Vegas. What I really wanted to talk to you about kind of is your background in sports but the big gist of my questioning has to do with something that, honestly, the first night I met you, this was when we were getting ready for Powell. For, actually, let me give this a shout out. I think it was love at first sight once I took a bite of the chicken that you brought us that night. It was like the best chicken I've ever had in my life. Let's get yeah, that place. What is out. it? Uh, yeah, who was that? Um, like, I mean, if, if we have any Powell heads. You know, they, they know that they know the chicken spot in, in page and it's, yeah, it, it's no joke. So Incredible. I, well, I spent, I mean, I spent 
three hours looking for a spot to be able to drive out. And hopefully I was going to be able to do a little car camping, which I was. Um, but timing couldn't have worked out better be coming out of the, you know, lake bed area and then coming out and reaching out to Casey and being like, Hey, go get some chicken. I'm like, sure. I'll go get some chicken. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So no, that's, that's like a go-to spot in uh page, Arizona, just outside of Lake Powell's recreational area. Yeah. You were our big, be- best fried chicken possible. Seriously. You were like our collective, all the people there, there were, there were like 10 of us there. Knight in shining armor just comes in. <laughs> Honking his horn. I'm like, who is this clown? Comes in, <laughs> parks aggressively. And actually, I don't remember that part. You probably didn't park aggressively. I'm just doing that for the story. And come out with just two bags, just full of food. And then all of a sudden, they plop the chicken down. And they're like, everybody have some chicken. So I, get, I grab a piece. First bite. And I'm like, who is this guy? I love him. <laughs> Yeah, that we tried. We had that um, Memorial Day weekend. I was down there, and then I was like, "That is a for sure go to." We were gonna be in uh, on Sunday and stay at the hotel and be within Page area. So, freaking love it's it. a must. Yeah. yeah. So then we go we go boating for a little bit, get a quick run in. We uh, run into a storm that was pretty gnarly. Then we make it to the hotel, and that's where. That's what I want to touch on more than anything, and I kind of want to make this a recurring thing, but I'll have plenty of random questions throughout. Um, You and I start talking, and Mm -hmm. you were talking specifically about your current state in life, and since this is a podcast, roughly about the church, right? Utah, things like that. Um, Latter-day Takes, obviously, being the name. (laughs) You talked about how every member of the church, you had said something that, no joke, I had said myself, uh, in years years prior to this, to, to to my to my own like plight in the church, so to speak, that every member at one point has to be a convert, not mm-hmm. not just if they get baptized after the age of eight, that they have to be converted, and then that kind of yeah. struck a whole conversation with us because you and I just started talking like we we figured out that we both even though we're in our thirties we go to family wards and we're single we don't like subscribe to the whole singles thing we're just like we just want to go to church because we like going to church we like being part of a family ward there's like just a better feeling with all of that totally hit it off and then talk about your story specifically so maybe take us back to kind of your upbringing and your relationship with the church growing up in vegas with your family yeah so i mean we grew up obviously my parent or my my mom was born and raised in it uh my dad was actually a convert uh converted for my mom and They've been married for 35 years now. So um, middle school sweethearts. No way. And yeah, an inspiration to, I think, all all married couples and all single uh, individuals that, you know, marriage is alive and well. So yeah, yeah sure. they, uh, but, you know, being born and raised in it myself, um, we went to church as, as often as we could, um, but also having baseball as being very important to not only me, but my brother and my entire family. Um, and you know, it was, it was rough at times because you would get the, you know, side eye looks or things like that, or, you know, being, you know, we're better than the Harpers because we go to church every Sunday, you know? So when we show up, it's it's a priority, no questions, things like that. Right. And you know, along those lines, what stories get glorified, like in the end sign, which is now the Leahona, but 
and other like church talks and things like that. They're like, oh, we were very strict on no Sunday play and things like that. Like people talk about that. BYU, the, church, yeah. the university of the church, never plays on Sunday, things like that. So totally get what right. you're saying that even if it wasn't direct, and it, in some cases it sounds like it was, it's indirectly always there. Right, 100%. Yeah, and it's like, you know, keeping the Sabbath day holy and everything like that. Um, I actually really enjoyed, what was it, two, I don't know if it was a spring or if it was last October's conference. Um, who's the younger um, apostle? He's got the comb over. It used to be red, now it's... Bednar. Uh, Bednar. Yeah. Bednar gave a great talk on keeping the Sabbath day holy and how it's not necessarily, you know, this is my interpretation of it and understanding it, um, but it's not necessarily about going to church and, you know, make, obviously that's a priority in, in the church and everything like that. But, you know, if you're out with the family and, and doing things together, you know, that's, that's what it comes down to, man. It's not, you know, obviously, you know, the sacrament and everything that goes along with church is, is you know, the sense of community and things that come along with it. But, you know, if you're out doing, you know, giving your time as a family to, you know, help out and Sunday's the only day that you can do it, then, you know, it, it's okay, right? Like, it's okay. You're not going to, you're not going to be in trouble for going and doing something. And that, and that's the way we looked at it, right? Like we, we're going to the ballpark and, and spending time as a family and, and something that's, that turned out to be, you know, very important to the family. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, I could just, I always go back to this one story when I was younger and in young men's, I think I was only 11 or 12 and I didn't really go to young men, young women didn't really do the whole boy scout thing, um, throughout the week and youth activities. Cause those are the practice days, right? Like you're playing games. If you're, you know, Hey, you have them or you're practicing on the other days. So, but we had a, um, a etiquette, uh, you know, dinner etiquette, yeah, I remember that. Uh, little, little class. And we we're all going to, you know, dress up and, and have a meal, but we're going to, you know, proper, you know, eating now, now elbows on the table, things like that, but whatever. Right. And, uh, I was like, Oh, that's, that sounds interesting. Like I don't have anything on Wednesday. Like, you know, I knew that going in and I was like, you know, I volunteered to bring something and I get, I don't even, you know, who, who it was or, you know, I don't even remember the face of the person that said it, but they turned to me and they go, you're actually going to go. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it sounds good, right? Like, it sounds like fun. He's like, but you never go. And I'm like, well, now I am going to go, right? Like, <laughs> bitch, how about that, buddy? Like, <laughs> I am going to go, you know? So it's like, but that's, those are the little things that I felt like I dealt with my entire, all the way up till high school was, you know, well, Brian, you're not good enough because you don't do these things, right? And and we and a lot of people feel that way sometimes, right? A lot of people get turned off on the church because of one incident, right? Like, and I don't know if that turned me off of you know of falling away and then coming back. And I'm so happy I have, but you know, a lot of people will never come back, right? And that and that's something that that should be talked about, you know. And I think it is because. Now it's, you know, missionary moments, right? Right now in our stake, we're doing, you know, everybody, everybody being missionary, right? Inviting people, inviting people that are members back, you know, retaining those members and then inviting new, you know, it's not about, you know, 
just going inviting new members. It's, hey, let, let's retain the members that we have also. You know, if we're only having 30% activity out of, out of the hundred percent people, like there's 70 people, 70 members that need to come back and, and, and you know, participate and, and make everybody feel welcome, you know? Um, and it's not, it's not the cookie cutter, you know, member anymore. You know, I, I, I'm tatted up. I've got my leg tatted. I, you know, I, I somewhat go out of my way to wear short sleeve shirts or pants that, that you know, yeah, I do. I, I really do. <laughs> I you know, the short sleeve button up because yeah. I, you never know if, if somebody that is investigating is coming in and has a preconceived notion of having to look a certain way, who the, who the member, you know, who the prototypical LDS member is, you know, I, I want them to see that, you know, I'm there, I'm active, right? Like, you know, you don't have to be this cookie cutter. I, there's the, uh, what was it? Maybe eight to 10 years ago, they had the, the tattooed Mormon, the girl. That yeah, yeah, went, yeah. Yeah. That you know, like, like she, herself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, that's something that is so cool because that's not streamlined. You know, I'm never saying, I'll never be, you know, Hey, everybody, let's go get tattoos and, and, you know, do it. But it's, you know, if you make that choice, it, I, I call them my stained glass windows, man. Like they're, yeah. they're my, uh, you know, cool things to have. So, so yeah, I, your Sistine chapel. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, growing up in church, you, you kind of get that a little bit here and there, but you know, I going into high school, I, I had a really good friend, um, that actually played baseball with his name was Alex church. And he, hung out with a lot of LDS members and, you know, was part of our, our group of friends. Um, and he, he ended up converting in, in high school when I think it was junior or senior year, he ended up in the, uh, uh, converting and getting baptized and everything and talking to him in high school and how much conviction and belief he had through this conversion process, I was so jealous of, cause I'm like, I'm sitting there listening to him and I'm just like, wow, like I'm blown away by it. Right. And he's doing what I feel like I'm doing now and always wanting to share. Right. And I think that's kind of why I immediately shared with you Personal. because yeah. yeah, like when, when you go through that true conversion process, like it's, you want to tell the world, right? Like it's, it's no joke. So it's, um, and I don't think enough lifelong members do do that, right? Like they're sometimes set in their ways where they're, you know, Oh, well, I don't want to say anything. You know, I might offend some, it's like, no, like if, if you believe in something with all your heart, you, you got to stand up and, and shout hallelujah. Right? Like, shout you know praise you know so it's yeah it i was always jealous of that and um and on the once i graduated side, oh sorry keep going go ahead. No, no go ahead well i, I kind of i want to keep hearing the story once you graduated what happened mm -hmm. <laughs> okay sorry man this, um this so i i end up getting a scholarship to go play at uh cal state northridge and was always kind of on the straight and narrow in high school but it was more you know did that because that's what my group of friends did, right? Like we, you know, I was very focused on, on playing college baseball. I didn't want something else to jeopardize that. So that was the big thing. Me and 
one of my buddies, uh, Colin Shoemate, who ended up playing football at, at San Diego State, um, we we definitely buckled down and like we had that, you know, we're going to the next level mentality, like we need to take it serious. And, you know, he's a great influence on me. I feel like I was a great influence on him. Um, and, you know, once I left to go to college, it was, you know, oh, well, I don't have any member friends out here. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do what I want. And that's when it kind of, you know, yeah. got away, started drinking, not going to church, you know, we're good, right? I, I live the way I want, you know, it's, it's easier this way. Right? Where is Cal State Northridge? Uh, San Fernando Valley, Northridge, California, just north of um, L.A. and just south of um, Simi Valley. Pretty big party school. No, not really. It, they uh, they established that, uh, or it's known it's as more of a commuter school. It's more of a feeder school to USC or UCLA. Just kind of like a UVU. like a Utah Valley. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you're gonna go get those credits. Um, same thing with like a CSN here in Vegas, where you know you go get the cheaper credits, and then you kind of go on to um, you know the after that. So, um, yeah, but I, I the only way I was getting into college was playing baseball. So you know, my parents, my dad and I are worker for thirty years. My mom paralegal. Started as secretary, ends up, you know, backing into being a paralegal just because she was around it for so long. You know, we we wouldn't have been able to afford me being able to go to college had I not been, you know, had it paid for, you know. And I, I had okay. 75, 75, 80% paid for, you know, through, which is very rare in baseball considering we have, I think, 12 and a half scholarships for 30-man rosters. Well, that's which, a testament to that left arm of yours, man. Right, right. So... <laughs> You know, it it uh it worked out where I was able to go there and spend a year there. Um, didn't end up working out there, but you know, left there and was able to come to a great situation here at CSN. Um, and again, just kind of continued, you know, not living at home. You know, although I did move back to Vegas, I still lived with in in Henderson, closer to the campus um, of CSN, and you know, just continued to do my thing and live my way, right? Like I'm an adult now, I can make my own choices. Um, although I was born, I, again, I wasn't, I didn't have that conversion, right? You know, I always come back to that. I didn't, I never had a conversion, never had a conversion. It wasn't, it wasn't my time of season, you know? And then I think that's a huge thing that I wish the church would promote more too. You know, when, when people have children that fall away, you know, it's, it's, they're not, it's that it's their, not their season right now, you know? And, and, you know, little sneak preview, I end up having a, a season, right? So um end up going to South Carolina, played there for a year after CSN, um and won national championship with them, part of their back to backs. I was in the twenty eleven national championship. Um you can kinda see my, my jersey there. So I don't think I can see the boys. It. You guys think you can see it? Okay. Well jersey's up there. Here we go. How about that? There, there it is. Game cards. There it is. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So spurs up to them, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a great experience going out there, seeing a different part of the country. Um, it is culture shock at first, right? Like you're somewhere being on the West Coast for so long, right? Like I, I played back east. I only played really in New York, but I played in Omaha. I played in different states all the way to basically the Mississippi. Played in Texas, Arizona, Utah, obviously California. 
Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was eye opening going out there and I absolutely loved every second of it. Ended up getting drafted going through the whole minor league system. Um, and you know, had, had bits and pieces of, you know, thoughts of, of wanting to come back. I, you know, it was, uh, it was cool to see an institute at South Carolina and the fact that they had an LES, you know, institute at the campus, which I had no idea. Did you go um, But no. So like drive and that's why I was saying just kind of thoughts of, <laughs> of going back. Well, no, it was thoughts. No, I get it though. I get drive by, you know, and like you kind of get that, that still small voice, you know, although I was inactive, you don't ever lose that Holy Ghost there, man. It's like, beyond he's... nostalgia. Like, that's what it feels right. like. It's not just like, yeah. oh, gosh, that's, like, reminding me of my childhood. It's not, it's like, no, that's, it's reminding me, like, something deep. Like, you said the Holy Ghost. Right. Like, it's, like, deep in within your person, your soul is, like, kind of being being called to it or something. I know what that, yeah. I don't know, I know what that's like. Yeah, so, like, driving by, it's like, I feel like I should go in there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then I just keep driving and, and don't ever do it, right? But it's like you get that. And, and it's funny that I remember that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing that I think is cool that sticks with you. Um, is those little, little moments, right? Where you're driving in the car and it's like, you know, Oh, that's cool. Like maybe I should go in there. So, um, but yeah, I ended up getting drafted, going through minor league baseball, still inactive at, you know, I would come back and, um, during the off season and, you know, mom would be going to, to church and I almost, you know, being a, a smart ass that I am, <laughs> no, it's con- contrary to <laughs> to belief. Yeah, I would, I would, I would um, never see that being the case. Right. <laughs> she would go to church. I'd be like, you know, hey, uh, pray for me, right? Yeah, pray for me, right? Save I me a seat, just, wink, wink. Yeah, right. So, so your mom, um, your your mom stayed active this whole time. Yeah, yeah. My mom was active. My, my you know, it. It's funny, my, my entire family had conversion processes, okay. right? Like yeah. we, all had, we all had our time of season. And, uh, you know, fast forward to 2018, yeah, 2018. I uh, started dating girl, but I also, which you know, kind of pushed me back into it, but I also had an experience. He's a member of the church. Went, who was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, who, I also had my brother's kid born, my nephew, um, crew. Is that and well? what's that? Was that 2018 as well? 2018, 2019, I believe... Is that right? Either way, it's all 2019 leading around the same. Yeah. Yeah. So around the same time, whether it's 2018, 2019, somewhere in there. Um, but they gave a baby blessing to crew and we had some non-member friends there. Um, and then obviously the family and everything like that. And Bryce gets up and it's him. It's my brother-in-law, my dad, um, and then Kayla's brothers, who's my brother, who is Bryce's wife, Kayla, and you know their brothers, and then the father, father-in-law. Um, they get up and they all bless crew, and we're sitting there, and you know, I'm sitting in the audience. But you're not participating, it, right? right? Yeah, not participating, right? So, 
one of my buddies turns to me and goes, why couldn't you go and help? Or why couldn't you be part of that? Was and he I not go, a member? He was not a member. So no, he didn't, so he doesn't he know just, the taboo nature of that question. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. So, and I just told him, I said, I, I can't, right. Like I don't have the ability to, you know, you have to be a worthy member and, and going to church and active and everything like that. And, um, I just, I just, I can't. So, um, and that kind of stuck with me, right. Because I, I not only wasn't there for my nephew, but I wasn't there for my brother. And one thing that, do you have brothers? I've I don't got know if I know three this. brothers. Yeah. Okay. I'm the yeah. youngest. So like, too, so. And, and you know how it is. Like when you have brothers, like there's, it's closer than just a sibling, yeah. right? Like I'm, it's, it's different. Right. So well, and he's my little brother. Let's give a little background on that real quick. Cause you, you both, like you had mentioned, you and your brother both grew up playing baseball, but not only that, when you went back from Cal state Northridge to college of Southern Nevada in Las Vegas, you played with your brother. Yeah, and then because yeah, we because we fast forwarded a little bit, and then you ended up playing with him on the same double A team, right? Yeah, yeah. So we one one we're in the cool same thing system. about yeah. So you Nationals ended up yeah. drafting me a year after they drafted him. Um, but what's one of the coolest things that I think ever could have happened when it comes to being brothers is. We played at the high school level together, Las Vegas High School. We played at the college level, albeit you know junior college, but still the, the right. next level um, at CSN. We ended up playing minor league baseball together because he had a rehab stint in Akron, Ohio. Um, and I actually have a picture of him in center field with me on the mound that my mom took. It was so super cool. grainy, but like and at night, but That's you know so it was awesome, right. So something like that happens, and then we have a big league spring training. Uh, camp together. So literally at the pinnacle of the sport, you know, we ended up not getting to play in the big leagues during the regular season, but together we were, you know, at, we had, we were in the same game at, at, at some point at every level of of baseball. That's really, I actually didn't know that. That's all right. I guess I didn't put that together, but that's, that's gotta be one of the rarest I don't know what you'd call it, like uh, turnout feats. or uh, feats, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, in, in something. Sports, period. Like, I mean, you've got the Antetokounmpo brothers, but even then, they probably didn't play together on every team at every level, right? Yeah, both of them are playing on the Bucks right now, and then the other one on the Lakers or was on the Lakers. But anyway, um, so that's that's really cool. So my point being is that your relationship with your brother was super meaningful. You're super close, from what I understand. You're still very close, and um, specifically, when you put it into context of you saying you weren't able to be there for your brother when he was blessing his child that in 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 church that Sunday, you're all of a sudden feeling like a little bit like oh shoot like just my role as a brother like I kind of want to be there for him. Not that he would ever yeah. demand that, right? I think we're pretty aware right. of that. But you you're sitting there going like that. That's my brother who I love. You know, we've been great examples for each other our whole lives, and I want to be a part of that aspect of his life as much as possible. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, like I said, it was, it was tough for me to answer that question. Right. Like when somebody asked you being like, why can't you be part of that? It's like, cause I can't. Right. Like, and when you like, 
me being a competitor and being, you know, a guy that is competing. And it's like when can't isn't in my vocabulary, right? Like as an athlete, like you're, you never say, Oh no, I can't do that. It's like, no, like I'm going to do that. Right. Like, so when I had to say that, it was like almost like throwing up in my mouth. It was just like, it didn't, it didn't sit well with me. Right. So, you know, started and that was, so that was actually 2018. It had to be 2018 because I started getting, going to church and things like that. And were you dating a um, movie, girl at that point when your brother? I was. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, and it kind of got more serious in, in 19. So we had been dating all of 18 through 19. Um, and then, like, she would come out and visit. I was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, playing for an independent baseball team, Lancaster Barnstormers in uh, Pennsylvania, about an hour, an hour and a half east of Philadelphia. So it was cool that I had Bryce close by within the hour and a half because he was with the Phillies at the time. So that was nice. Um, but also, you know, whenever she came out and visited, she's like, hey, let's go to church. You know, and like we started doing the come follow me because that's when the church introduced that as well. Um, you know, and like doing Sunday study um, and things like that. So you know, started getting back into it, not religiously going, but, you know, when I could or you know, if we weren't on the road or, if I, you know, if I want to drive down a little early before our Sunday day game, I would, you know, and just kind of started getting the into the back of the swing of things. Right. It wasn't wasn't like all on board yet, but, you know, half in, half out type thing, you know, but but trending that way. You know, I knew how important it was for her to marry a member and all that stuff. And um, well, yeah, uh, off season. 2019 December I had a birthday and our bishop walks up to me because I'd been going to ever since I got back I started going to church with my mom and uh just you know got back swing of things had a birthday first first of the year bishop reaches out reaches out to me being like hey you know I've noticed you started coming back to church and you know you know notice that you're a priest still you know I, I never got the Melchizedek priesthood didn't have anything um again I was off playing ball, didn't ever have desire to keep progressing in the church. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm good. Right. I didn't even know where your records were throughout that time. Right. Well, I think they just followed along with where my parents were. Oh so yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I ended up going and Bishop reached out to me and, uh, I was like, it's, it's awesome that you reached out to me. I was like, I was actually going to reach out to you. Cause I had plans on, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm here now. Like I'm, I'm going all in on this, right? Like, I want to make this happen. Are you still and, dating uh, this girl at that time? Yeah, yeah. So we, beginning of 2020, um, started, you know, going to see Bishop and everything like that. And, you know, going through the repentance process and, and the atonement and all that stuff. Can and we like, talk about this for a second, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I this is, this is like my, like, true conversion stuff. For yeah. Sure. So... I mean, I don't even have a, I don't have a loaded, I don't have any type of question going into this, but as you say, going into the repentance process, one thing that I've seen lately that I think is interesting is I've got some friends that are in the church, but are very scared of like going to see their bishops and going through that process. And they've never really articulated it specifically, but it just kind of seems like they're scared of what consequences are going to come down the wire and either, you know have some sort of disciplinary counsel or whatever it might be. 
And I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. I have my own for sure, and I'll probably share it, kind of pepper them in. But I'm curious what you think about that. Because was that at all anything that crossed your mind when you're like, well, I'm going to have to embrace this wholeheartedly, like with everything I have, because I don't want to leave any stone unturned. So I'm going to tell this bishop, obviously, everything that I've been through, everything that I've done, so that I can be back on this path the right way. Were you at all scared? Or was it just kind of like, this is just part of the process? Yeah, I mean, that's, you grow up doing that, right? Like, that's like going to the principal's office, yeah. right? Like, that's the way people look at Voluntarily. it. Voluntarily. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, uh, no, I'm good, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I like I said, I was... I was all in and I was ready to lay it on the, on the table. You know, I, I knew that my past may come back to bite me, but again, I was going to, just like you said, I was going to go about it the right way. Right. Like I'm, I'm not going to keep this guilt around and try and hide something because our heavenly father and Jesus Christ know, know our secrets, know our heart. Right. So why am I going to try and hide something from the man that is sitting in front of me when the true like the reason there's no hiding from him? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like if we can get through this and I have a support system now. Right. Like that's that's what you need. Right. Like there, you can't do it on your own. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was um, I actually went in the first meeting like fully prepared, just laid on the table. And he was like, this, not that type of meeting. Like, I just want to <laughs> kind of get to know you, you know, introduce myself and everything like that. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just hold on to that for now. Do you know what that reminds <laughs> me of? <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, I can't remember the kid's name, but you've seen the Goonies, right? Of course. Oh, yeah. That... Oh, yeah, Chunk. Yeah, where he's getting the blender. Is that is his name Chunk? Or was that the... Oh, yeah. No, Sloth, you're right, Chunk. It was Chunk. Okay, yeah. yeah. Chunk, Chunk's getting threatened with the blender and he just like starts going off and he's like everything 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 I okay. everything yeah. and I can't remember what he was to <laughs> <laughs> he starts telling the story about how he pretended like he threw up and then everybody started throwing up and he started he, then he just got scared to say anything so he never fessed up <laughs> just starts telling them every little thing that comes to my eyes. Anyway, sorry. So that was yes, your that was your chunk moment with the bishop. And yes. he's like, wait a second. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was like, wait, let's let's wait. Let's hold off on that. Well, he, he kind of like hinted at that at the beginning. So I didn't ever like truly open up and, and you know, go all out. Um, so I was, but I was thinking in my head like, OK, well, I was fully prepared to do it right right now. But sure, I can wait a week. Um, but yeah, like I and I, I tell him I, I told him the same thing before, you know, you go into confession, right? Yeah. Um, but I was like I, I was like Bishop and and truly could not have asked for a better situation going back. You know, Matt Durham, who's my bishop here in Vegas, is a godsend, in my opinion, because he had just gotten into the Bishop Brick maybe a year, two years prior. So he's still fairly new at, at being a bishop, but a younger guy that, you know, understands that the that the church Cultural was kind shit. of changing. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it just, it, it felt so easy to just talk to him. But I told him, I said, look, like, I know you're sitting here as, as the bishop and, and you're hearing, hearing me, or you're going to hear me open up about things. 
I said, but I don't look at it as just me talking to you, right? Like I look at it as me confessing to my, my heavenly father and Jesus Christ, right? Like you're here and you're listening to this and the powers that be, but I'm, I'm here because I want to confess to him and I need somebody to, to, you know, confirm me in, in, in my, you know, um, repentance process. Yeah. And to facilitate yeah. that specifically to guide you right. in the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think that if anybody is scared of that, I think if they go on with that mindset, you know, knowing that the church is kind of, I have, have they shifted away from some yeah. disciplinary councils, things yeah. like that? In yeah. fact, so, that was something that I had heard a long time ago from pretty connected people that were kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. they're probably going to stop excommunicating people uh, to the yeah. extent that they have, not not wholesale, but maybe right. not as as uh, quickly or swiftly as they have in times past because people weren't coming back to the church. Right. And the point of an excommunication, I mean, there's a couple points to an excommunication, right? One is one is to protect them, right? Because if they're without that covenant, then they won't be held as accountable for yeah. not repenting, right? But if the other one being, it's meant to kind of spur that action once again to get them back in the church, to grab, to get the spirit back as quickly as possible. And it just wasn't happening right. the way they were hoping. And so yeah, kind of toned it down a little bit. I don't know if there's going to be another kind of shift back towards that, but I've kind of heard a couple things too, where they're like, we probably need to have a little, at least more disciplinary councils than we've been having is what I've also heard recently for better yeah. or for worse. I don't coming from somebody who's actually had a disciplinary council. And I, this might be the first time I've ever mentioned that on the podcast. Cause I do want to do an episode on that at some point. Um, it's one of the best experiences I've ever had. So, yeah. And see, I, I've talked to other people that have had disciplinary councils and it was the worst experience that they've ever yeah, had. I've heard that too. You know, so it's, it's, it's definitely double-edged sword type thing, right? Like you can never have a good side or a bad side, um, yin and yang, whatever you want to, yeah. you know, reference. <laughs> um, but I, the, I think what kind of worked out for me as well, not having to go through disciplinary council was because I didn't have the Melchizedek, right? Because I'd never been through the temple because I, you know, there was things that I never had to, I never did that, you know, definitely kind of, because as soon as I opened up and and can kind of confess everything, you know, Bishop was like, you know, he, I, I felt comfortable sharing, you know, he was like, good thing is Brian, like as much as we've got to, you know, unpack here, like you're not in a bad spot. Like, I don't want you to, think that you know we're just going to kick you out because you're in here you're you're wanting to be here right like that was the biggest thing with him is like you're wanting to be here like you're 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 the one that's initiated this right like you're, and so, that, you're not coerced in any way that's a big right yeah and that was big in his in his opinion and, and i was glad that he saw the same thing um the fact that i was doing it not only for myself and that's one thing that he was very adamant about making sure was that I was doing it for myself and wasn't doing it for my girlfriend at the time or, or just my family. Right. You know, that I was, I was convicted enough to want to come back. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was just such a freeing experience. I mean, like weight and weight and weight that is just lifted off of, of myself. Um, but yeah, it was, that I think that's why I'm such like 
you like tell us. Uh, yeah, like I, I want to tell everybody, right? Like I, you know, because it's, it can be tough at times, right? Like, you know, going in and, and talking about things in the past that we all want to kind of forget sometimes. But at the same time, you know, if you're able to work through those things, I mean, you, you come out a new man or new woman, you know, it's, it's, it's freeing, man. It really is. It's that whole idea of born, being born again, right? Kind of puts that in yeah. perspective. Absolutely. No doubt. Um, okay. So let's, uh, well, so one of the questions I had locked and loaded for you may not be as applicable now, but I think that, that there's a, there's a way I still can ask it, which is you didn't really go through that process until you went, moved back to Las Vegas and you were out of the minors, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I think that was one big thing too, was like, um, being consistently in the same location, right? Like that's always very tough, especially during baseball season, because you're, you're playing on Sundays at, at one o'clock and whether you're at home or on the road, you know, you're maybe going, you're maybe at home once a month, right? Like, because you could say you have a late game on at least, right? right? Yeah. One Sunday a month. Right. Yeah. So it's, you know, and depending on what happens that Saturday night game, right? Like, are you at the ballpark until 12 o'clock, you know, and then having to turn around and, and be, be at the back of the ballpark at 10 AM, 11 AM, right? Like, sorry, but I, I need to get my sleep. I'm, right. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. this is my job at this point. You know, it's not, it's not just a game anymore. Um, it, so yeah, the consistency I think helped a ton that I, I knew after the 2019 season, I was going to be done playing. And I was like, you know, let me, I'm, I'm, I played 10 years. I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I see the writing on the wall. Nobody's looking for a 30 year old, 31 year old left-hander that throws high eighties, I guess. And I'm, I'm good. It's fine. I, I'm comfortable with what I had, right? Like I'm good. Well, right? just, like I mean, there's a lot of people that can't go out on their terms. Right. And I felt like I could. Um, yeah. and, uh, I was very happy to have done what I've done in the, in, in my professional career. Um, and then, you know, again, going out on my terms. Well, not even, um, you know, not many people make it 10 years period. Like at, yeah. in any level, there's yeah. that. Yeah. You know, right. So yeah, it's two and a half years for minor league guys and two and a half years for big league guys. So if you make it past that three year mark of your minor league career and you're in the minority, you're, you're, yeah, you're in the minority immediately. So, you know, and then same thing, once you hit the big leagues, if you're able to stay in past the, the three year mark again, again, you're in the minority of things. So, so, so that totally makes sense why you, it wasn't necessarily on the forefront where you're just like, I don't, I don't, I can't even go to church even if I wanted to, because like you said, you have this job that you have to attend to. And that makes total sense. Um, but was there a shift? I mean, and, and I imagine there was while you were dating your girlfriend and kind of reimmersing yourself, albeit slowly back into the church, into that culture and all that stuff. Was there a shift on who you, from, like from who you were, how your teammates knew you, um, not to, I, I mean, here's the thing. I don't really know what you were like outside of the church. So maybe, maybe you weren't that much different, at least like, you know, just the way you carried yourself. So maybe this question is moot, but was there a shift and was it like weird for your teammates to be like, dude, like, who are you? You know, like, so for example, had you rejoined the church 
at the capacity that you rejoined it while you were in Vegas, but out with your teammates while you were playing, there would have been a very clear, like there would have been like a, a paradigm shift in your life. And yeah. I, I'm yeah. curious, like, would, did your teammates witness anything anyway? And were they kind of like, what's going on here, Harper? Like, <laughs> like, what are you turning into? Like, why aren't you, you're saying, so I don't know if you were drinking then or not. Yeah. Why, why aren't you drinking all of a sudden? Or like, why aren't you, you the, why aren't you going to party with us or whatever? Yeah. So it wasn't, I didn't go fully back until 2020 hit and I was already retired at that point, but I have three of the best friends from professional baseball that I could ever ask for um, that came within my first three years of, of playing with the nationals um, Spitzer Keyboom in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Mike McCone in, in uh, Chicago, Illinois, and um, Tony Rinda, who was up in Half Moon Bay, uh, California, just outside of San Fran, but is now down in Scottsdale. Um, but we got together every year, um, and it was always, you know, oh, you're, you're a Jack Mormon, Brian, just come on, let's go, right? Like, it's fine, right? Every group needs so that was yeah so i was i was the i was the uh one of the boys um and then yeah big paradigm shift because that's i went through the repentance process in january and february right beginning of the year um and then obviously all of the covid stuff and everything that happened but like you know we still got together um and i and i opened up to him about it anyways right like every single one of them i had a phone call with you know and being like they're, you know, they're asking how me and, and my girl are doing and everything like that. I was like, well, I was like, actually, I'm, I'm getting back into church and, you know, I've, I've, I'm heading in that direction. And they're like, so you're done drinking? And I go, <laughs> that's their first question. I go, yep. And I go, well, first of all, they were happy, but they're like, yeah. so you're done drinking really? And I said, yeah. I was like, I am. I am. And, uh, like, we're not sure we're ready for sober Brian. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they, um, <laughs> they were kind of, te- you know, being like, okay, you know, and then we end up all meeting together. Um, didn't do anything. I think I went and visited, uh, my buddy in Atlanta and buddy in San Fran. Um, and I was like, you know, we're out hanging out and they, you know, are you sure you're not drinking? And I was like, no, I'm good, man. Like, so that was, that's a big thing for them. They, you know, they were like, you know, this is definitely a different guy for sure. But I, it was good, right? Like it wasn't, they could see a difference in me. Right. And it wasn't just, oh, well, now he's not drinking. They were like, no, we can definitely sense something different in you. And that's really cool. You know, type thing. It wasn't, you know, they're, they're not members, you know, they, I think two of them are Catholic and the other one is Protestant. I don't know. I can't remember, whatever. But yeah, it's just like they, they were fully supportive of me because they're, they're like brothers to me. You know what I mean? It's not, it wasn't, you know, oh, well now we can't be friends because Brian doesn't drink. It's like, no, like we love you no matter what, bud. Like that's how we are. Um, we, we went to battle together on the baseball field. It's, there's nothing that'll ever take our friendship away from us regardless. Um, so yeah, I think that was a little bit of a shock to them, but you know, like I said, they were fully supportive of everything that I've done in my life. And and I, and I know they always will be, um, I was in all three of their weddings and, um, I, I hope to have them in a ring ceremony with me. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so hopefully they don't feel too slighted from that, but it is what it is. Sorry, guys. Yeah, um, and they they know that, and you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm very open with what we believe and and what we you know do as a church. You know, everything's everything's kind of out there, anyways. You know, they they know that, and and you know, they knew that I wasn't able to attend my brother's wedding, right? Like that was the other one that was kind of stuck with me, right? Like again, I was in a different mindset at the time, but. You know, my sister got married in the temple. I wasn't able to attend that. You know, my, my brother, same thing, wasn't able to attend it. But again, it wasn't my season, man. Like that, that late 2019, early 2020, that's, that was my season to come back. And that was, you know, I was, I was meant to talk to my bishop at the time. I was meant to, you know, be part of the ward that I am in, right? Like there's so many things I that, that I fully believe. Yeah. That. Yeah. You know, like I, there was a reason why it had to wait, you know, and now I'm able to, you know, reconnect with, with Casey, right? Like we were always friends and everything like that, but it was, you know, oh, you're in town, like, let's go play golf or, oh, you're in town, like, let's go hang out at one of our other teammates' house, right? Like it wasn't, but it wasn't, you know, every off season, oh, Casey, I'm coming up to Salt Lake, like, you know, let's hang out, right? Like it was... 10 years of, of not a whole lot of consistent, um, communication. Um, but now it's, you know, he was able to be part of, of giving me the Melchizedek priesthood, right? Like I asked him to drive down for that. I wanted to hit on that. So I wanted to bring it full circle because sorry to cut you off, but this is like a, I feel like one of the coolest parts of the story is that Later on in 2020, when you were on that trajectory and you were like, hey, like, like working with your bishop, like, let's get the Melchizedek priesthood and all that stuff. You had mentioned how specifically you had missed your sister's wedding, your brother's wedding and not being able to be in the circle when he was blessing his child and all that. But what happens in late 2020 or later in 2020 when you're getting Melchizedek priesthood? And I want you to take it from there. Yeah. So cool thing. So. I'll kind of backtrack again real quick. Please. When I was eight years old, my dad was able to baptize me and give me the Holy Ghost. Um, fast forward to 12 years old, my grandfather was able to give me the Aaronic Priesthood. And fast forward to when I'm 31 years old. Yeah, there you go. Uh, my brother was able to give me the Melchizedek Priesthood. And my... Our dad, Casey Sato from CSN, because he was a return missionary with one other guy, Trent Cook. We called them our dads because they were all <laughs> older than us and they took care of us. That's right. That's, that's, that's exciting. <laughs> um, was able to be part of that. And I, it, it was cool because it was so much more personal, right? Because the churches were closed and we weren't able to do those things in in just a normal building and you know in the bishop's office or off in a classroom at the church like we did it in our our living room right like grab a chair my brother my dad my bishop um high counselor and and casey they were able to be there and give me the honor ironic priesthood in a personal intimate setting right like and it was it was so, so cool. And like, I don't have a whole lot of member friends. 
I do now, but at the time, right. Who's, who's my only friend that I can really talk to, um, besides my brother, besides my dad, you know, family members, things like that. But who's the only guy that I can talk to? It was Casey and somebody that knew my past and knew, you know, that, but knows that we all make mistakes, right? Like wasn't judging me for, he just loved me for me, right? Like it wasn't, you know, oh, well, Brian's a bad member, right? Like I'm, he'll never be that, right? It's like, no, dude, like good for you, man. Like Casey was, I, I was so pumped to like talk to him about, you know, coming back and being excited to go. You know, and I don't know if it had an impression on him or not, but I, I know that he was very supportive in me, right? And I like that's what I needed at the time. You know, I needed, I needed somebody oh, other did. than the I immediates. Can, I can answer for Casey. Um, I what's <laughs> funny is that this was before I even knew you, um, but he had relayed this story to me. He's like, dude, one of my teammates, like I went down to Vegas because he was getting the milk as a priesthood and it was his brother that was giving it to him. And it was like really cool for him to be like, dude, it was awesome to see that because like he had just kind of delayed that part of his life. Right. And just kind of yeah. put it off for a while and then comes full circle and his, his own brother is able to give it to him and everything. So that's, it did, it did have an impact on Casey for sure. Cause I had forgotten yeah. that story until I think maybe you and I had talked where I was like, Oh my gosh, that's right. That was you. Casey told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, like I said, it, Everybody has their season, man. And like, I could not have asked for a better one. I really couldn't have. I love that, man. And I love that. That's that whole idea of like, there's like time is of no importance to the Lord, right? That's like yeah. the laborers in the vineyard, that, that uh, parable, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter what hour you're coming. It's just, you're coming. That's what matters. And I've had cool conversations. In fact, one of a uh, general authority that was a uh, former general authority that was on the podcast actually very early on who's kind of a family friend of ours. He's a, uh, my, my sister's tied to their family. But anyway, um, he had mentioned that I had, I had a conversation with him and he was just kind of like, you know, there really is the, it doesn't really matter what caused you to go off the path. It only matters that you return. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what stage in your life. Like there are some temporal components to that, that can take its toll, obviously. But in the grand scheme of thing, if it mattered from an eternal perspective, then the atonement would not be true. Or, right. So exactly. Yeah, and that was exactly. a cool lesson that I had learned. And at some point, like I'd mentioned, I'll, I'll share kind of my whole story on another episode when I feel like the time is right. But it's I'll share my own little season like you have. Um, yeah. I think it's really cool, dude. Before I let you go, though, because probably should wrap things up here in a second. But <laughs> I wanted to ask you a few more questions along these lines, kind of because you had actually texted me randomly. Um, uh, let me pull this up here. It was, uh, this, I, I, I don't know if I shared this on the podcast, but I did actually share it in a talk earlier this year, which was funny about you sending me this cause you sent me a screenshot or maybe it was an, a link to the app and it's the scriptural yeah, citation yeah. index, yeah, yeah. um, which it has its app The the app is actually called citation, citation index. index. You can go to the web-based version, which is what I use the most, actually, which is scriptures.byu.edu. But I do have the app on my phone, and you're like, hey, I meant to tell you, do you ever use this? And I was like, dude, that's like one of my favorite – that's like my favorite way to study. It like It's a game-changer. Yeah. So then it made me curious, kind of, because obviously you use it a lot. 
Um, what other tools do you have? And have you had any cool experiences using any of those tools or specifically the scriptural citation index? Okay, so I just learned about the citation index when I text you. No way, really? How'd you learn? Yeah, so that? I had, I was in ward council. Wow. So that that's a whole other story. Like the fact that I come back active 2020 and now I'm Sunday school president. Which <laughs> yeah, is, that's right. Talk about full circle. Would would never have thought that I would have done <laughs> that, right? Like that is just like I, I actually saw my uh, my high school bishop um, up at the. Uh, high school. I, I I coach at Las Vegas High School now. Pitching coach over there, um, and he comes up and I'm talking to him and I'm like, "Hey, I'm back active. I'm actually Sunday school president now." And he's like, "Seriously?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Good for you, Brian." He's like, "I'm." He's like, "That's awesome." I was like, "Thank you." I was like, "You know," but like that's something that, like, I don't know if he would ever thought that, right? Like, yeah, it's it it's funny, you know, to see and I and I hope that that possibly changes him, you know, to be, you know, he's not a bishop anymore, but, you know, if he ever has a son that, you know, he had, he had two sons that, you know, maybe, maybe they're going to be, you know, bishops one day and, and they can use me as an example, right. To, to the youth or, or to other members that are in their, in their late twenties or, you know, forties, fifties, whatever it is. Right. Maybe they're able to be like, you know, I went to high school with a guy that, that was active and, and did, did everything that he was supposed to and fell away, but he came back. And then two years later, he's Sunday school president, right? Like yeah. we all have our season again. So, um, but the other one I was gonna, let me see if I can, I've got like books all over the place. I've got to find it. Okay. There it is. I'll be back one sec. Yeah. There is now. So, what was it? Twenty was twenty twenty the Book of Mormon. We're in twenty two twenty one was Doctrine and Covenants. Yeah, so twenty twenty. Yeah. So again, could not have asked for a better book to come back to, right? right? Yeah. Twenty twenty. Okay. Everything that happened with churches shutting down, things like that. Years, couple years before we introduced the Come Follow Me. Okay. Again, what's the staple in, in, in our church, right? Book of Mormon, okay? Could not have asked for a better book to come back to. Um, upon reading it and going through Come Follow Me and everything like that, I come to find out that I can't really keep up on who's talking. It's like, because you, sometimes you get the, you know, my son or I am the father and it's really somebody else that's mm-hmm. speaking on behalf of everything like that. So I ended up talking to a uh, family friend and she recommended, because I told her that I had been going through this and she was like, well, he's like, have you ever heard of the new approach Book of Mormon? And I go, 
no. I was like thinking that it was just a different translation or something. You know how they have the easy to read Bibles and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she's like, no. She's like, it's literally the Book of Mormon, but it actually indicates time, date, location, and speaker. And I go, really? No so she ends up ordering me one and sending it to me. And we'll let's see. So the coolest thing about this, so it's just it's your normal Book of Mormon. Yeah. Okay. You see that? There we I go. See it. Yeah. But it's the new approach to studying Book of Mormon, organized by events, emphasizing narrators, speakers, locations, dates, and quoted passages. Okay, so and let we'll just go to first Nephi fifteen. Okay, that's what we opened up to. Okay. But you can see the margins, okay, how they're a little bit bigger. Good quality paper that you can actually write on. But it has Valley of the of Lemuel near Red Sea, 600 to 593 BC up here. And it has Nephi being the speaker. And it breaks down Nephi's brethren. Nephi speaks again. Nephi's brethren. Nephi, the Lord, uh, Nephi. But it talks about the actual thing. Nephi explains his father's prophecy at the top. That's awesome. So, yeah. So breaking down and studying this way, okay, you can open up. It contextualizes and, it for you. Yes. So that was that that's me, right? I need context. I need, you know, and that's why I fell in love with the Doctrine and Covenants again, right? Because I I'm reading and we talked about that was the Abraham Lincoln um mm. uh hypothesis, right? That's right. Here's yeah, yeah. Jeez, I'm just grabbing books left and right. I feel like love Aaron Rodgers with my book with my book club. Lincoln hypothesis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Again, uh, gives gives context. From uh, Timothy Ballard. Timothy Ballard book. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Underground Railroad. So gives context to the Doctrine and Covenants and what Joseph Smith was dealing with historically. Okay. It kind of relates it all around. And I absolutely love that. Um, and that's what this book does for me, the Book of Mormon one. And, you know, going through the entire thing. I mean, anything you can think of, like what story it is, you know, heavily... Third Nephi, heavenly signs signifying Savior's birth. Uh, Alma 46, Moroni rallies with the title of liberty. You know, like you can literally, it just, it's so easy to understand and like gives you a plethora of knowledge on everything and just organizes it. I'm super OCD when it comes to things. Like <laughs> I need things in their place, yeah. right? Um, and you'll probably see it when I show you my Book of Mormon. Um, but the line upon line company book of mormon study edition is a must for anybody that loves to mark up their stuff um and let's find, let's find a good page that i have marked up yeah but like oh yeah very much a organized guy when it comes to labeling and understanding using my footnotes you got different color uh, highlights man that's nice yeah level. like meeting like just being able to take notes of it and good again good paper like you know so mm -hmm. i you know i i think that with the tools that that the churches opened up companies to be able to give us is huge and not just being the old quad stacked yeah. thin thin pages where if you mark up anything and rip a page you're just like 
<laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> or it bleeds through. He's like, no. Right. <laughs> I didn't mean to mark up the other one. I meant yeah. to mark up this one. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, those are my go-tos for sure. And then that citation, citation index, dude, like we in Elder's Quorum, we go through previous conference talks, right? But normally, if you look in the uh, scripture, the tools app, they just have the little number and then you got to click on the number and then it gives you your reference and all the other stuff. That citation index doesn't have the little numbers. It cites everything that they're talking about from previous talks, Unbelievable. Um, breakdowns of, of, of uh, uh, scripture, everything. It's just, yeah. It's so incredible. It, yeah. like I said, changed the dynamic of the way I study and specifically um, it, uh, it kind of helps contextualize too if I'm having a hard time doing that on my own mm-hmm. because applying context is what I would do just on my own. I, I would look yeah. at this and be like, let's let's think about what these people are thinking at this time, right? And that's how I was able to explain like, I don't want to get too into this, but like Alma the Younger, my thoughts on why he had an angel come down and visit him because mm-hmm. that's an exception, right? That doesn't happen yeah. often. It happens in two specific experiences in the scriptures that I can think of that are like, in the same vein at least which is Saul becoming Paul right getting a visitation yeah. from Christ like it's that there's he's spurring these people into action that are otherwise on the on the wrong path and I think the the common thread between those and sorry I know this is a tangent but it might be interesting to you um is. is the fact that they thought they were probably doing the right thing it's like yeah. Saul you can definitively say that about Alma the Younger, some people might feel like that's a stretch. My mom actually is one of those, and she's like, I don't know about that. But I think there might be an argument to be made there because it's possible that, and this is where the context for me helped, is that when you look at the life of Alma the Elder and how he was a a wicked priest in King Noah's court, Alma the Younger had to have been exposed to that in one form or another, whether or not that was direct witnessing his father do that, living in apostasy essentially, or he hears things. From other people that are like, you know who your dad is, right? Your dad was like right. a terrible person and now he's the prophet. Like, what sense does that make? And so Alma the Younger yeah. is having a really hard time like rationalizing all of that. And he's saying that doesn't merely make sense. And so maybe he's thinking it's got to be false, right? It's just got to be. And so I'm going to tell people that it's wrong. And then what happens? An angel comes down and says, hey, actually, you're the one that's wrong. You know, like there's this thing called the atonement and that's made everything right that your your dad has done. And anyway, all that stuff. So, Yeah. I mean, we can look at it in church nowadays, right? Like, I've always been a very like, hey, this is a this is a perfect religion run by imperfect individuals, yeah. right? Like the history of the church with with uh, African Americans and the priesthood, right? Like right. that was the choice. Joseph Smith never said that; he said all men. Yeah, I mean, we we learned that in the Lincoln Hypothesis, right? Everything that that Joseph Smith was running on for his presidency. Abraham Lincoln ended up implementing on the back end anyways. Yeah. Right. Like Joseph Smith never said that, that African Americans can't have it, that, that people can't do this. People can't do that. You know, it's, there's certain things that, that may have happened in the church that, you know, may, may rub people the wrong way. But again, if we understand the, the repentance process, like you were talking about with Alma the Younger, you know, it's, it's something that can be corrected. Right. And, and, and trend in a new direction and, and, you know, the, the true direction. Absolutely. So, yeah. Right, man. And otherwise, uh, for me, I have kept all my notes in a Google doc and I have mm-hmm. this just like pages and pages of notes that 
and I, what I did, that was what I, I'm really glad I did this a couple of years ago is that I put it sequentially. So mm-hmm. it's in order, first Nephi all the way down to Moroni. And I'll go back and visit, like if I'm reading something and kind of like something strikes me a certain way and I'll go back and I'll look at my notes from however long ago, because I started timestamping them too. I didn't do that always, but now I've started to do that. And it's kind of cool to see like what thoughts I had six months ago, a year ago, things like that versus what now and all that stuff because it's ever changing. So the Google, it, I would highly suggest that for anybody to just keep yeah. it on a Google Doc and just always have a reference or, or any type of reference that they can go to always. Right. And I can't remember what apostle it was. Um, I believe it was an apostle. But he talked about his own personal Bible and how he keeps a little notepad or notebook in his pocket. So if he finds something that he likes, he writes it down. Yeah. And that's something that he can always go back to. And I did the exact same thing. Um, and little notes in my, this is my church, you know, notepad that I go through and write down things from talks, right? Like how many times are we at, are, you know, are you listening to a talk at church and somebody quotes something from something and you remember it, but you don't want to miss looking it up on your phone and highlighting it. If you have just that little pen and paper, you know, you write it down, oh, it was, you know, first Nephi, you know, two, whatever it was, right? It's like something you can go and then you go back and look at it and being like, I can still appreciate the talk the entire time, but I made these little notes that I love. Um, we had a, we had a lady in our church talk about a, a prayer poem and I missed who it was by, but I ended up going talking to her after and like writing it down. I just remember writing a prayer poem, right. And like talk to Jill about prayer poem. Right. And then talking to her and she ended up sending it to me and I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like something that I can always grab and like have in my little personal um, Bible, you know, to be able to reflect, just like you said, you know, like I, I try to just start every year with something and, you know, X out a page and be like, okay, this is start of 22. This is start of 21, 20, whatever it is. So yeah, any, all these little things, you know, it's, it's funny how you kind of just add things over time. And, um, like I said, I, I wanted to share that citation index because I thought it was so cool. And I was like, who can I reach out to that knows about that may know about this yeah. and may like it. So, and I know you were kind of like that anyways, cause I think we talked about we you know, going through and diving into diving deep into stuff and understanding because of the Lincoln hypothesis. That's right. It was like yeah. breaking all that down. Yeah. I was yeah. just like, that's so cool. Adding that context that we were talking about. It so. changes, man. It changes the dynamic of the way I study. I freaking love it. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's funny too. Cause when I spoke on that in church and like they were, cause what the topic was to like, share tools and spiritual spiritual tools as well as physical like church tools or tools that the church provides as a way of uh helping kind of your study and things like that and so i shared that one that one was by far the most popular people in the ward came back like a month or two even later and were like hey thank you so much i loved that talk it was so helpful and i've downloaded that app like i'm so glad i have it and so it's it really is kind of changes the trajectory of everyone's study i believe yeah no doubt no doubt man well, brother, thanks for coming on, dude. Seriously. And uh, I'm going to want to have you back on again at some point. With that said, uh, I already have something in mind when I I want to have Casey, Casey and John and I have one like locked and loaded that we're going to do probably here pretty soon. But there's a different one that I also have that I think I want you in on. I think it'd be funny to have the four of us on because I love doing drafts. Um, 
and this one, I want to do it. And it would be a little different for you because you're not, you never lived in Utah. Um, right. But you're certainly familiar with Utah. You're familiar with the church, familiar enough with the jazz, even though you probably hate them because I feel like everyone from Vegas does. I grew up hating the jazz and then I've since obviously become a jazz fan. But anyway, um, the uh, one thing, okay, we all know this and I hope you know this, okay? I support my friends in their endeavors, okay? And in their fan fanhood of certain sports. Oh, so you're I I will support my friends in that. I will not support their choices. So you're you're a, a BYU fan by association then? I am a supporter of Harper Anderson when it comes to and and Presley uh, ha, Preston had Presley Preston Hadley Pres, Preston, Preston Hadley that's a good nickname Presley, <laughs> Presley. Elvis Presley himself <laughs> yeah. okay Preston Hadley you're just combining okay, the I am I am I am supporters of those people and their endeavors yeah. in the fanhood Wait, this reminds me actually this is funny. Because your brother said something that, like, made major BYU community. You remember what I'm talking about? He doesn't like BYU? Dude, he, like, straight up was like, nah, F BYU. And everyone's like, what? There is a backstory to that. It is public knowledge. All right, Kayla, let's, let's hear it. Kayla Varner, uh, a.k.a. known as Kayla Harper now. Uh, left BYU's soccer program to go to Ohio, the Ohio State University. And, you know, that's, you know, may or may not have had a play in that. So that's all. Oh, you know what? You don't have to say any more than that. But I think I could probably connect some dots here, especially since because, surprisingly, despite all this, we stayed BYU fans, me and my family. But this has been mentioned in... Definitely one talk in general conference one time. It was Elder Holland's checking your fan something at the door. Mm-hmm. Or your, no, checking your religion at the door when you enter into it, like in the arena as a fan of any sporting venue or whatever. Okay. Um, it, he gave it within like the last five to ten years. And it was actually about this guy who is a family friend of ours. I'll even say it. His name's Daniel Bobick. He, uh, Started out playing at BYU, played there for two years, never really got the playing time he was looking for, and he was actually a huge recruit out of California. Um, Decides to transfer, goes to Oklahoma State, and then ends up, to kind of like tell you exactly what happens, is that he ends up becoming Defensive Player of the Year for the Big 12. He's on Oklahoma State's Final Four team. He starts for Oklahoma State pretty much his whole career there for the two years he played under Eddie Sutton. And... His first year at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State and BYU actually play each other at what at that point was, I believe, the Delta Center. It was back in like 2004-ish. And um, BYU fans were like vitriolic towards him. His family's there. He invited my family. I actually wasn't there because I remember I was on some like weird high school field trip that same night. But I remember hearing all about it. And he invites his, his, his wife and kids are in the stand. His in-laws are in the stands. My parents, my siblings are there, like all supporting him and cheering for BYU too. But they're supporting him, right? Because he's our, he's our guy. But then at one point it just turned for my family. They're like, screw this. I'm not cheering for BYU. Because their fans just like were saying, they were talking about like, oh, he had problems with the honor code, da 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 this, that, and the other. Just like throwing out every little thing to the point where it got so ugly 
at the end of the game, no joke, this is a true story. Elder Packer, who go, who went to a lot of BYU basketball games, visited him in the locker room and personally apologized. Really? He was like, I'm sorry you had to go through that. He's like, that is some really ugly stuff. Like, And he's just like, if there's anything that you need, like, let me know. And he, no joke, he's like, well, I'd actually love a hug from you if you could. And so... <laughs> Hugs Elder Packer in the locker room. And then Elder Holland goes and talks about it. This would have been years later. I mean, it would have been like 10 years later, roughly. Um, it's about that experience. So I don't know if that was what it was like, but I can imagine there was some of that uh, fallout yeah. in your sister-in-law's experience. And yeah, a little bit. Brothers. But I mean, yeah, it was just like, we didn't grow up BYU fans, right? Like we right. were, we obviously being in Vegas, we were UNLV fans. And I don't know, it's just a little bit different for us and, you know, but yeah, that's, he said it, <laughs> he's, he's, he stands by it. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but hey. like I said, I, I will support my friends in there, no matter how bad their choices are. Uh, <laughs> and I will support my friends no matter how good their choices are. I, I appreciate uh, that because sometimes it feels like a really bad choice on my end. <laughs> <laughs> good thing is both of the schools whether it's the team up north or down south, east or west, or is it north and south? Are north they north and south? And south? Yeah. yeah. Okay, there we go. Team up north, team team down south. That's right. Uh, regardless of, you know, good to see both football programs playing well right now. Um, and honestly, after the Oregon um, debacle, not on the players' part, but on the Oregon side with the yeah. fans, um, I know I text you about it and just the total hypocrisy that, that has been done, um, gone on, things like that. Um, I, I, I've always not been a fan of Oregon. I don't, I think their fans have been toxic from the beginning and me being an SEC boy and seeing Cam Newton run all over the ducks yeah. the year that Cam Newton ran all over the, the Gamecocks in the SEC championship. I could not have been happier uh, to see that happen um, in that national championship game, but I've never really been a fan of them, and they just confirmed my my choice in that. And I don't know if we have any Duck fans that may listen to this, but I, I stand by that. And I am not, yeah. I am not a Duck fan, nor have I ever been, and I am truly not now. So, um, but no, it's good to see two two good football programs going on in in, in state of Utah um, and the Big Twelve, Pac twelve are, you know, have a good team in Pac-12 in Utah, and obviously the Big 12 is getting another good team in the uh, in, the, in, in BYU. So That's right. Very diplomatic yeah. response of you, man. Uh, let me correct that real quick. I do know a friend of mine who listens every now and then did get his, uh, I believe it was his MBA at Oregon, so he's probably a Duck fan to some degree at least. All right. Yeah, yeah we again, that. we'll support him. My personal experience was actually very positive. The fans in front of me were super nice, very, very nice. Could not have been nicer, quite frankly. Almost weirdly so, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I did get sidetracked. It's easy to do that with you. I love. I always love the conversations we get in, obviously. But what I was saying, though, is that I want to bring you on again at some point because I want to do a draft of, like, things in Utah. And it's like okay. if you had to prep for the apocalypse, what, what Utah Jazz player at any time in history would you want on your team or on your side? 
uh, what general authority would you want on your side? Like those are some of the things I'm thinking of and make it like okay. five rounds and you could pick what, what restaurant in any round. What's that? What restaurant? Ooh, that might, that's a good one. I, what, what Casey, you Casey already knows my pick and if he picks it, I will be, I will be fighting him. Well, don't and share it because I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> Casey knows though. Casey knows. <laughs> okay. Well, All right. Yeah. So I uh, let me, uh, yeah, I can sit do on that. that. I'm I'm a, I'm a historian of of the game. I I know I know basketball. You even said that correctly. I'm an historian, didn't you? I'm a I'm a historian. No, it's and, un. And I'm an. I'm, I'm thought a you said historian. that right. No. Yeah, I did. I did say it right. There you go. Yeah, so it's legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think on that, dude, because we'll have you back for that. I will. Feeling. Yes, and I am like I said, I am always down to uh, talk college football. I watch it enough that I, uh, I feel like I can give you some takes on some certain things. I, I do want to give one uh, take if I can, real quick, you know, before we shut it down. But please, of course, I was watching, you know, flipping back and forth between the uh, Utah ASU game and the Wyoming uh, BYU game. My brother-in-law is actually from Wyoming, so go Pokes, mm. go Pokes. Uh, Again, just, you know, supporting him in his endeavors. Yeah. <laughs> I did find it funny, though, because I flipped over to the uh, – after a turnover on downs on whoever it was or, you know, punt or kick for the BYU-Wyoming game, I flipped over to the Utah game. And they had a uh, flea flicker, double handoff, deep ball pass to the tight end for a touchdown. I think it was Keithy or uh, – who's the other one? The other tight end. Come Keithy, on, guy. Keithy, who got injured, unfortunately. That was really it wasn't funny. Keithy. It was the other one, and I can't mm-hmm. remember his name. Uh, deep ball pass. Okay, touchdown. 14 nothing for the Utes. And then flip back over to the BYU game. No more than two minutes later. Flea flicker, deep ball, pass, tight end, BYU, down at the two. Yeah, that was to Isaac like, Rex. Yeah. There you go. See, you know that tight end. There we go. See? I was like, I just want to know who's copying who here, right? Like, Clearly, BYU has a guy watching Utah's game and being like, hey, that (laughs) that worked out. (laughs) We should do that next play. It literally was the exact same play. Like, you need to find if you can get the clips for those those two plays because it was – I was like, that was was the same play (laughs) we just saw. So, yeah, no, I watch plenty of football, you know, and obviously I can come in and give my uh, SEC bias if you guys want me to. Absolutely. I can always do that. Me or SEC guy. <laughs> Love it, man. <laughs> all right, bro. Uh, again, man. All right, man. Conference. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. That was that was fun. And like I said, I everybody's, you know, I, I hope that a lot more people share their stories on, on everything, whether it's in church, um, bearing your testimony on, on fast testimony meetings. Um, because you never know who, who may need to hear it. And I hope that whoever's out there listening, that they are, you know, they understand that everybody has their season. And if you feel like you're trending in that direction, then, then jump two feet in and don't be afraid of anything, um, that may come of it. It'll all work out in the end. So could not agree more. And in fact, on that note, I promise you, I'm not trying to get the last word. This was just reminded me. I love the fact that you're very open about this because that's what it's all about. I mean, it, it, there's no point in keeping these things personal, I don't think, because this only lifts everybody else up. And you had mentioned how you were hopeful that, you know, there were other people that would share your story, like with their sons and things like that. I mean, there's no question that the the church needs more. We've had some good sympathizers for a while, but we need more empathizers, I think. 
people that have actually yeah. experienced that, which by the way, is a fundamental component of the atonement, I believe. And if you've actually lived through it, you're going to be that leader for people. And that's going to be really great for a lot of people that can look to you and be like, oh my gosh, like this guy really, he gets it because he's been through it. And even amidst, in the midst of all that, was able to come out the other side clean. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I appreciate that, man, for real, for real. Yes. I really do. Of course, man. Well, appreciate you, brother. <laughs> yep, I appreciate all right. you. I'll, uh, I'll see you soon, bud. Sounds good, my man. Take all it right. easy. Later, dude. Yeah. Thanks again to Brian Harper, a good friend of mine, uh, joining the pod. Just one of those guys, you know, it's not too often in your life where you meet somebody and uh, you just, you hit it off uh, immediately. Like there's no question, just like, hey, like getting along and uh, just you have a lot in common, just it's easy to jive. And uh, Brian was one of those easily for me. Um on that trip to Powell earlier this year, uh, over the summer. And I've had a couple friends like that, um, over my, you know, life, I guess I just, I did just turn 35, so I'm getting old. Um, and it's just kind of, I don't know. Those are special. Those are special ones. Um, not that, you know, making a friend kind of the more conventional way where it just takes a little bit longer to get to know them or whatever else. And, uh, is it has any less value to it, but it's pretty cool when you meet those types that are just, you know, you just hit it off, you jive, you just have a lot in common and it's just uh, hit the ground running from there. Anyway, so thanks to Brian. He's lived a really interesting life and I thought it was really cool, uh, that he wanted to come on and, and share what he's been through and his experiences. And he was, he was amazing just kind of the way he articulated his whole journey. And I was really happy with how that worked out. Uh, so anyway, hope you all enjoyed that. I'm sure you did. And to kind of wrap things up here, I wanted to obviously give the old spiritual thought, the gospel thought, that segment, which some of you have commented saying that this is actually one of your favorite segments, one of your favorite, like I have like 20 or whatever, um, or that maybe this is what you look forward to the most, which is a very nice compliment, actually. So I do appreciate that, and I do not take that lightly. Anyway, so I finished the Book of Mormon, and I started it back up immediately the next day, Uh there's just no reason to stop in my mind. I do need to branch out in the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, and then obviously Old Testament, New Testament, kind of come follow me. I need to be better about doing come follow me in general. But I specifically want to kind of go into the Doctrine and Covenants. I think there's a lot there that uh, is un- undiscovered. I know there's a lot there that's been undiscovered by me that I would like to just look into more and just, you know, have a different perspective on things and kind of the the foundation of the the church in this dispensation, which I think is just kind of a fascinating thing to think about anyway. So, but once again, the uh, thought comes uh, courtesy of uh, Book of Mormon and First Nephi specifically. And one thing I wanted to share was when it showed when uh, Sariah specifically, so Nephi's mother, who's one of, I believe, four women mentioned in the Book of Mormon, maybe five, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think just if I could, you've got... Sariah, Eve, Abish, or Abish, however you pronounce that, and um, I think there's one more. Anyway, sorry, so maybe just those four. Put myself on the spot and I failed. Anyway, so in 1 Nephi 5 is when um, Nephi and his brothers, Samuel, Laman, and Lemuel, are going to get the plates back from Laban, which is a pivotal point in the Book of Mormon. I mean, that 
sets the tone, like having those records and having those as a reference point to move forward with their new society that they were going to create in this new world was paramount in all of that. Having to start with nothing would be extremely hard, but they wanted to always have that reference, their genealogy, and words of the prophets, right? Because that is what helps them establish that foundation of building that church in that new world that they were going to. So obviously this is a big part of the Book of Mormon. But one thing that stood out to me as I was reading, and it has before in the past, so something I wanted to share, was that Sariah had her testimony confirmed or maybe reconfirmed, not sure, but definitely had a witness of it in 1 Nephi 5.8. So I'll just read that really quickly. And this is Sariah speaking. She spake, and she spake, saying, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath commanded my husband to flee into the wilderness. She's referencing the fact that her sons had returned safely because she was very, very doubtful of that before this, prior to this. Yea, and I also know of a surety that the Lord hath protected my sons and delivered them out of the hands of Laban, and given them power whereby they could accomplish the thing which the Lord hath commanded them, and after this manner of language did she speak. Which is really cool and interesting, because she's the wife of a prophet, obviously. And she had a kind of this crisis of faith. And that makes sense concerning her sons, right? Who she loves very much, who she gave life to, and she doesn't want to see that taken away from her. So she's having a trial of her faith, and she's thinking... If they don't return safely, I'm going to be upset, to say the least, right? And she even lashed out at Lehi because she looked at him as the reason why they were even there in the first place and that her sons were gone, having to do this very, very dangerous task, retrieving the plates and their genealogy. But then when they return safely, she has her testimony confirmed again. And it was after she has faith in her husband that her sons will return. Um, it seems that prior to that experience, she may have been a little dubious, right, of what the Lord was trying to teach them in that moment, or if they should have even been out there at, the, at all. But she did exercise faith, and once God provided the miracle, she had borne her testimony again and reaffirmed it once again, which is kind of cool to see somebody in that position, right? And you actually see that a little bit later in First Nephi when Nephi breaks his bow, but with Lehi, the actual prophet. I don't know about you guys, but I love... And this may sound weird, but I love seeing when prophets and these big-time leaders of the church have these human moments because it's so refreshing. You look at that and you're like, ah, thank goodness, I don't have to be perfect. Not in order to be a prophet, obviously. I just mean in general. Like, we don't need to be that hard on ourselves in terms of being perfect. But we do need to constantly try to do our best, and only we can answer that question, right? We can have the uh, intellectual honesty to to a assess that and are we actually trying our best right which is a very personal question but anyway another thing i wanted to share from there as well is later on in that chapter in verses 20 and 21 and those read and it came to pass that thus far i and my father had kept the commandments wherewith the lord has commanded us and we had obtained the records which the lord has commanded us and searched them and found that they were desirable yea even of great worth unto us insomuch that we could preserve the commandments of the lord unto our children which is kind of nice because it's like Nephi's having this moment where he's like, wow, like it's almost like I didn't realize what exactly I was doing until I had these records again, which just makes sense. We found that they were desirable. So he has that realization in that verse. And it's cool because what the blueprint is from those verses is that we receive 
is, is what we receive when we are obedient to the Lord's commandments, which is you achieve the goal you set out to do or were commanded to do. And in this case, it was to obtain the records, for them to obtain the records. And it is for your good, found that they were desirable, yea, even of great worth unto us. It's a very, very quick little blueprint of a nice sequence in the Book of Mormon that even Nephi was like, hey, I mean, this is why we do what we're commanded, right? I will go and do, and when I do that, we will get what we desire. So something to think about when it comes to setting goals, and specifically if these goals are worthy goals, if they are true goals to who we want to be, and uh, and if we want to be good people, these goals will come to fruition because the Lord will sustain us in those goals, like I said, with the caveat of them being worthy goals, that we want to do it for the right reasons. So something to think about. With that, I'll go ahead and close it out. Appreciate y'all tuning in again for another week uh, of the Latter-day Takes. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to this episode on whatever outlet you are using, the platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, basically wherever you can get your podcasts. In fact, it was a kind of funny i got a random call from my nephew the other night he has a flip phone he's a senior in high school which i think is awesome by the way i think that's awesome that my sister does that she's like what they don't need a smartphone but yes we need to communicate with them text calling perfect he has a flip phone and he apparently found that you can have some apps on that flip phone even i don't know i haven't seen a flip phone in forever and there's a podcast that's called it's just it's an app called podcast and it's p-o-d-k-a-s-t i guess and he looked up to see if my podcast was on there. And he called me because he was so excited. And he's like, hey, it's on there. So you got one more subscriber. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it, my man. Um, and so you can get these podcasts, this podcast, pretty much everywhere, I guess. So the platform I use does a great job in distributing that. Um, also, if you could, take a second, leave a review. Maybe uh, leave, a, leave a comment. I always appreciate that. It helps kind of build the following and get it out there. And that's just because I do like doing this. And if you like listening, then it just kind of does me a favor, right? It's not, I mean, it would be awesome if this became my full-time job at some point. I don't necessarily plan on that being the case anytime soon, but, uh, you know, I'm just putting in reps and just getting things out there. So maybe someday that can be the case. Anyway, love y'all. Thanks for taking the time once again, and we will catch y'all next week. So mad, there must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night. Cause I could almost see it. Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time, I, I, if it takes time, I.